But where are you really from? A podcast about the Asian American struggle. Hi, I'm Jesse Lin, and I'm Angela Lin, and welcome back to But Where Are You Really From? This week, we're going to talk about something that I think not a lot of people like to think about, but we have thought about. So this week, we're going to be talking about death. And to start off, we wanted to revisit a topic that we brought up briefly in our last episode related to past life regression. Take it away. Yeah. So for those who did not listen to last week's episode or don't know what past life regression is, this is basically a technique where a hypnotist puts you in a trance, and then you are able to remember your past lives. So last time I talked about this book that I read that is like one of my favorite books, honestly, it's called Journey of Souls by Michael Newton. And it's written by him. It's he is a hypnotherapist. And what struck me is that like he approaches it at, from like a skeptic's point of view so he like his intro he talks about like how he wasn't particularly religious or believed in like afterlife things very much and he like stumbled into past life regression by accident he's trained in hypnotizing people as part of just regular therapy and i guess in one of his sessions where he hypnotized one of his patients they like accidentally regressed into one of his or her past lives and i distinctly remember it was like super interesting because this patient was like had been suffering from like a chronic pain in their leg for like years and years and years. And when they went to a bunch of doctors and specialists, the doctors were like, there's literally nothing wrong with you. Like we took CAT scans and like nothing, we're not seeing anything that could explain why this pain is here. This like chronic pain. So it might be mental. And that's when they like referred them to see a therapist and whatnot. And so like, that's how this person ended up in Michael Newton's office. And so he put them into a hypnotic trance just to like, try to get to the bottom of this pain. And that's when this person accidentally like regressed into a past life where it was like, they were someone from like, I don't know, the 17 or 1800s or something. And they got shot in the leg in like the exact spot that this person kept complaining that they had this like chronic pain. And so after discovering the like source of the pain, Michael Newton was able to like help them erase the memory of, or like ease the memory of this, this experience from the past life. And so when they came out of the trance, their pain was gone because it was like, it was sourced from like an experience from hundreds of years ago from like a whole different life that is extremely woo woo but does it's he, real does he like so he like believes that they are that his patients are actually regressing to a past life it's not like a situation where he doesn't believe but he thinks that the effects are significant enough that he wants to continue doing that regardless of whether or not the past life component of it is legitimate or not. I think it was enough that he got interested in digging deeper into the past life stuff. And then Uh now he's like 
specializes in past life regression. Like he doesn't do any other therapy anymore. He's, he only mm -hmm. does this. And so that that's like a one-off story, but his mm -hmm. whole book, he, so he'll like give you this broad insight that is based off of like hundreds or thousands of cases. And then he gives you a transcript of like an actual patient session that mm -hmm. like gives you more color and detail into that insight. Actually, I'm curious, would you go do this if it was available to you? I don't know. Because I don't know if I'm ready to know that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I've always been one of those kinds of people that like, I've thought very often in my life about like, if one little thing had been different in my life, like, how much would that have impacted mm -hmm. everything else in my life? And so this definitely follows into that thinking where if I were to go and learn about what my past lives were like, or what I've been struggling with, like, life after life after life and still haven't nailed as like this mm. eternal soul i think it would probably change how i like go about my my daily life in a like not necessarily great way so i don't i don't know if i would want to do that would you i don't think so either i think for the same reason that i'm nervous about using hallucinogenic substances and things that are like more intense from that perspective because i'm worried about what kinds of insights it'll bring up and from a lot you know and from a lot of the reports of people who are going on those trips like some of those insights can be very very life altering mm -hmm. and so i'm concerned that it would like alter my life in a way that i wouldn't want so i'm kind of the same thing like firstly i'm very skeptical of it but secondly i would also be very scared of what i would find right like and also you just don't want to find out that in your past life you were like a murderer or something like that like that would be like a terrible thing to like find yeah. out about yourself yeah but then you're not a murderer now so you can True. then you can see that you had progressed so much that you reincarnated into like a much better human in the book, does he describe like how reincarnation works based off of the experiences with the patient? He talks about how the real and eternal world is the spirit world that like has existed forever and will continue to exist forever. And like life on earth is just temporary and is like finite. And so when you die, your soul is released back to go back to this eternal world. Uh -huh. And the purpose of each soul is essentially to like continue to better itself. With each reincarnation, you are going in with a purpose of like, these are my flaws, or these are my challenges that I am trying to work on in this upcoming life. So it's just like an endless process of choosing to go back into human lives to work on these flaws. And so in the typical reincarnation cycle, I feel like every time you're reincarnated based off of your deeds, you're supposed to move like upwards in the chain, right? You go from like an insect to a dog to like a pony and then to like a poor human, blah, 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 blah. So in this like cycle, it isn't like that, right? You can be like whatever, depending on what you want to refine. Yeah, I think there is some vagueness in what he found, like they kind of alluded to that there is a possibility to reincarnate into lesser, like less developed beings mm -hmm. than humans, but there wasn't a sense of like, now you're like, tarnished, and you're not mm -hmm. allowed to try anymore. 
I think they're, the whole concept is that like everyone should try and continue to better themselves. I guess to bring it back to the topic at hand, do these past like regressions like help people deal with death? Like did, did you do any sessions with people who are like end of life and like really struggling with that? I don't think I read anything specifically about people with end of life, but since you brought up psychedelics earlier, that has proven to help people who mm-hmm. are close to death. So like cancer patients, they have been able to come to terms with the concept of death much more easily after those psychedelic experiences. And when you talk to those people, it's because they have realized that they are part of something bigger. There's crossover and that's part of why I like really bought into this book because I was doing these drug therapy sessions and I had already had some of those experiences. So they are able to not fear death because they know that this is a temporary body and they're like, everything is connected and we're part of this bigger thing. And so the idea of dying doesn't scare them as much because then they know that they're going back to this thing that is like part of everything. You have done these like more intense hallucinogenic experiences. Did you confront any aspect of death? Like, do you still have a fear of death? How has that changed for you? I did confront death. There was actually a part of my ayahuasca experience where I was taken into like the underworld and I was like guided by like a bunch of demons and devils and ghosts and like scary ass shit. And it was scary to like be following them and to go into this hellscape essentially. But once I got there, it actually was this like calming place and there wasn't anything scary there. I think I saw my soul just like a glowing orb there that I knew was my soul. I think it just like reaffirmed to me that death can be scary and the, the fear of dying can be scary, but like just remember who you really are. That was like a very revealing experience, but I have to keep reminding myself of that. So if I'm in a situation where I'm like on the edge of a cliff, yeah, I'm going to be scared to like die. That doesn't change. I think there's a disconnect there. But how about you? Is fear of dying something that like you're constantly thinking about what's going on? What I'm afraid of is like the absence of experience rather than pain or like loss of people or whatever, because there's no guarantee, right? Like once you pass, you could go to this realm that you're talking about, or it could be something that's more aligned with any of the religions that are currently being practiced right now, but you don't know. So I definitely do have, I think, a healthy fear of dying, but I also don't think that it impacts me as much as I think it does. Like it's not like I curtail any things that are risky because of this. I don't think I'm so much afraid of me dying as like more recently I have been pretty afraid of my parents dying. It's a very real thing that's like going to happen in the nearish future because they're older. My brother is seven years older than me. My mom had me when she was almost 40. So it's pretty scary because you have to just like come to terms with reality. I think death is something that like no one wants to talk about, but in order to like First of all, prepare for the eventual that's going to happen and like get your things in order from like a very logical sense. You do have to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And then from another sense, you have to acknowledge it so that you appreciate the time that you have left. Part of my like psychedelic experience when I was like thinking about my relationship with my parents and wanting to like mend that more a big piece of it was thinking about their age and like just how many years are left and a lot of regret about the years that have been lost 
because of not having great relationships with him prior. Yeah, I don't think a lot about my own death, but I do think more frequently than I ever used to about theirs. Dying and death is like not something people talk about. And even the entire process of like passing is quite complicated and no one really explains what you're supposed to do. How are you supposed to get a funeral plot? Who arranges the services? And like, what happens if you die in your home? There's a lot of big questions around that. So if you were to pass, how would you like people to handle your passing? It's kind of hard to say. I feel like I am at the same time someone who likes attention because I'm a Leo and I like it's part of my personality. But at the same time, I don't like people making a big fuss about Mm -hmm. me. There's like I have like this dual self here. And so when I think about death, I don't really want to make it a big thing. I want people to pay their respects they they want to pay because they, you know, want to honor my life and the relationships we had, but I don't want it to become this like huge thing and like people to be just like so so sad and I haven't thought about it very much, but I feel like I would probably prefer to be cremated versus buried because mm-hmm. I feel like being buried and I'm just being facetious here, but like I feel like being buried it's just for your vanity's sake. What is the mm-hmm. point of having your body in this like pretty cave that like can't then disintegrate into the earth you're just like taking up space in the (laughs) earth versus like cremation you're just dust so like someone could keep you on their mantle piece forever as like you know to have you with you or or they could spread your ashes somewhere and then you just like go back to the earth right you're not taking up space and like hurting the planet more i don't know that's part of my thoughts about it and just also from a practical standpoint cremation is like a lot cheaper and like you take up less space it's just like a lot of things i don't i don't need to be immortalized in death with like a fancy burial and like a coffin and all that shit good to know let this be your last will and testament. <laughs> Ramon, just kidding. Uh, have you thought about it? I have. I think I'm in the same boat as you in the sense that I don't want people to be like despairingly sad at the funeral. I would prefer a funeral be more of like a celebration of the person that I was and like people gathering to think about the good times that they had with me as opposed to like being really sad. I really like the idea of like a New Orleans funeral where they have like the jazz band. It's very like, it's kind of like a party for the person that's passed. That's kind of like at this point in my life, what I think I would like when I pass. And then in terms of like disposal of the body, I don't really know. I don't have a really opinion on that. I feel like usually disposal of the body opinion is like more on the family because it's like there's a cost associated with it. And then like, oh, if you get somebody's ashes, who's going to hang on to them? But I saw these like really interesting pod coffins. They're meant to be like buried under a tree and the coffin Mm. like will disintegrate over time so that you will basically be like absorbed into the tree. Oh, so it fixes my issue with traditional coffins. Yes, but I think that will be like a really cool way to do it. The cremation versus coffin thing, though, I think it's interesting because I think you're right that a lot of it has to do with the family decision. But from like a because we're always talking about East versus West, like Mm. looking at the contrast between the two cultures, I do think it's like very significantly skewed towards cremation in Asia. I don't think anyone does coffin burials in Asia. I wonder if that is a cultural thing in terms of having to do with spiritual rights and all that stuff and or if it's just a space thing like there's not space in asia 
that's what I was thinking about too. The space and the economics of it, because like mm-hmm. it's expensive to bury someone. Like, well, you have to have the coffin, you have to prepare the body. Then that's somebody got to dig the hole. Then you got to fill the hole. Versus you, <laughs> cremation, you just like, hey, you go in an oven, and there you go. <laughs> Your parents have purchased plots for the purpose of placing ashes. I assume so. They've talked okay. about cremation. Interesting. But their thoughts have also changed over time. I mean, they have to settle on something because like you said, they did buy plots just like their <laughs> parents bought plots. But like they used to talk about wanting to be brought back to Taiwan to be like buried with their family plots. But I think they ended up buying the California plots because it's like just the reality is where they live most of their life and where yeah. it's likely to happen. Well, I think they're also thinking about like once they have passed, like how likely it is that we would visit them. You know, if they were buried in Taiwan, like once every few years, maybe. But also if they were brought back to Taiwan, they would be buried with their families. And then everyone else in Taiwan would go visit them. And we would still go, just not as frequently. Well, you guys are slightly different because there's two of you. There's you and your brother. But for my parents, it's just me. I feel like that was part of their decision because I'm the only like a real descendant to visit them. The truth is, I don't even know if we have like a family plot. And that might also be a reason why. Yeah, my dad has one, his side of the family. And they used to talk about he would be buried there. And then my mom would have to be buried there too. Because women always follow the men. <laughs> so, but yeah, that that has since changed because of this LA plot. <laughs> have you talked to your parents about what they want to do? Bruh, they talk about it all the time. They're like preparing you. It's part of why I think about it all the time. Yeah, they are preparing us. Okay. Me and my brother. And like the first time they brought it up, I was like, I don't want to hear this. Like I was so pissed at them. It is a little little morbid. It's super morbid. They brought it up a few years ago for the first time. And I was like, you're still young. They were younger then. I think like early 60s or whatever. I'm like, you still have lots of life left. Like, please stop talking about this with me because I was like, I don't want to deal with this. This is sad. But like little by little, they've been talking about it more. My dad for end of life care. His thoughts are the same as my thoughts on end of life, which is he's like, I don't want to be a burden. When I start deteriorating, don't take care of me. Pay someone to take care of me. And then when I'm at a point where I'm just like useless and like a vegetable, essentially, if that were to ever happen, just pull the plug. Mm. Like, I don't want to be a burden on anyone. And I have similar thoughts, but I'll add a like different layer, which is I don't want to be a burden to anyone but I also have like selfish thoughts when I think about that which is like if I'm a vegetable I am not enjoying life anymore what is the point of me living just to breathe through tubes and to like not be able to interact with anyone and like say anything to the people I love or like do anything that I want to do just to like stay alive so my thought is like as soon as I'm not healthy and I'm just like miserable just fucking kill me like I'm over it well you can't do that here no one will help you with that here but maybe if you move to like Norway or something where they have like assisted suicide Yeah, I don't think my parents have really talked about it in that level of specificity. But they're also not as old as your parents. They have mentioned like trying to retire in one of those live by yourself, but assisted nursing is available kind of Mm -hmm. situations like Leisure World in Laguna Hills. Laguna Hills is basically one large retirement community. And there's a very coveted retirement home area called Leisure something, Leisure Hills. I don't know. 
buy basically like a share and you can live there for until you pass. And there's just like assisted care people there. So you're not like in a nursing home in the sense where you don't have any autonomy, but you do have the security of like somebody being there to help you. But yeah, that's what they've mostly talked about. They haven't really said anything about what happens if they're like really sick and can't live a you know full life. But I imagine it would be very much the same where it's just like pull the plug. I feel like we all very Asian people are very practical about these things where it's like, you know, if I'm not enjoying my life and I'm going to be like a huge burden on you, you might as well just, you know, let it go and we'll see you another day. I haven't really thought about it for myself personally. I think it's probably the same as you, but I would just want to have, you know, somebody really smart certify that I'm actually like dead, dead before they pull the plug. (laughs) That's like one of my greatest fears related to dying is that I'm just like locked in and I'm not actually dead. I can still like think and they're like, okay, like. goodbye i would be that's like but yeah if i'm like fully vegetable and like not aware yeah i think you could just pull it oh no that's different for me if i can't move my body but i can still think i don't want to live I mean, I'm also hoping that the, by the time that this decision has to be made, there'll be like medical miracle to like totally. replace my body <laughs> or something like that. West worlds will have come to oh, life and we gosh. can just become robots. So I don't know. No, I don't, I don't necessarily want the plug pulled if I'm still like cognizant of stuff. I just, I only want to be alive when I can enjoy life. I think you can still enjoy life without full mobility. Stephen Hawking enjoyed his I life. I know. Wow. I thought about him immediately when I said that. But I also am like, am I going to have the dedication to, to learn how to like rewire everything to communicate with people? Like he does some crazy shit with his eye movements to be able to like yeah. speak and like do other shit. And the, I just, I don't know. Have you in all this started any estate planning? Why? I have nothing to plan. <laughs> I don't own anything. Like what? I'm sorry, do you own things? What do you have to plan? Like, what is it? I mean, I don't personally have anything. Like, I don't have a will or anything. But with all my money stuff, I have, like, clear beneficiaries. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because, like, in the situation of your untimely demise, the last thing you want to do is to have to, like, fight people for the money that should go to your family. Yeah, my, like, few thousand dollars I own, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you have, like, retirement savings and stuff, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. I think my parents recently told me that they actually started to like do their will and stuff. I hate talking about it, but I think it makes sense for our parents' age. One of the infuriating things my dad keeps doing though is when he had this family meeting about like their eventual departure, he was like verbally discussing all of his assets just so we knew they existed. And we're like, you're gonna like write this down, right? Like in a will. <laughs> and he was like, no. And we're like, are you fucking kidding me? And he's like, no, I'm not writing any of this down. And we're like why why would you make this like harder for us and he's like you're just gonna go to china and taiwan they're gonna help you out you're gonna tell them you own this thing and then they'll help you figure it out i'm like this sounds terrible why would you do this to me is that how it works no it's not (laughs) it's so infuriating i don't know he just he won't give us written shit which is like super unhelpful because i'm like you know neither of our Chinese is good enough to like know who to contact and like But you can't even claim that without Exactly. I'm like, where how am I gonna prove that this is that you own it? It's like you're just gonna you're my daughter. There it's my name, blah blah. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> well, I'm thankful to say that I think my parents actually are going to raise something down. Well, that's when our parents die, which is woof. What about <laughs> But have you ever thought about the future of when we're old and mm-hmm. what space 
future we're gonna live in at that point? Like, have you ever thought about what it's gonna be like in the world when you die? I think it will be like technologically very, very different. What that will look like, I have no idea. But I think it will be like dramatically different. But I don't know if that will change anything about how I want to pass though. What about you? I agree. I don't think any technological change would affect my thinking on like, I don't want to be a burden, just cremate me, pull the plug, like all that shit. But I think one thing that's interesting, when I think about longevity, that is something that has come up a lot. And like Ramon is kind of obsessed with increasing our longevity so that we can like enjoy life for as long as we can. Like life extension? Not life extension, like you're going to live to 150, but like most people don't live to as old as humans are capable of living to because they ruin their lives with like the diet and like bad habits and shit. So we're like taking supplements and stuff that are supposed to like help oh, I see. with longevity and whatever. So it doesn't affect my thinking on how I want to pass. But I do think the like advances in science with the ability to like improve your longevity, I think that will affect when we become closer to end of life as compared to our parents. Like I yes. think we'll probably live much longer than our parents yes. lived and like be healthier and more active than they were at similar ages, which is mm -hmm. gonna be something like totally different. I think I agree with you. And that's probably the only thing that I would add is that I feel like given how things have changed so rapidly, once we get to what we would consider like natural end of life thinking about it now like maybe like 80 85 i think we'll have more of a choice as to whether or not we want our lives to continue forward or if we want to pull the plug because of all of the life extension and like longevity things being researched right now yeah who knows maybe you'll get to 85 and you can like die or you can have like everything replaced and live like another 15 years it would present yeah. a choice right because yeah. then you can decide truly like if you want to pass or if you want to live a few more years that topic of like how long humans are going to live and our ability to live longer now and like our continued ability to live longer than previous generations is something that Ramon and I have talked about and it's a really like interesting topic because you can look at it either from like a you as an individual standpoint where you're like of course I want to maximize my longevity and how many good years I have left on this earth or you can look at it from like a community standpoint where it's like the more people who live longer the more of a burden we have on society to like take care of these old people and also how many years can you fund your life after retirement because retirement money is based off of a projected like number of years you're going to continue living after you retire so if you keep living way beyond that you might have no money left Honestly, I haven't even thought about that. And I mean, there are definitely a ton of huge questions around that. I think for me specifically around the like morality of it, aside from all those things you mentioned, living longer also means that you use up more resources yes. on the earth for that should have been safe for other people. It also probably will create like a huge class divide for those people who can afford to do that and those mm -hmm. who cannot. I think there will be a lot of interesting questions about that when we're at that age where we're like going to decide what we're going to do. So, you know, don't forget to I message me your decision when you're like 85. So that, um, yeah. I message won't even exist. It'll be some, I'll just like send a telepathic message to you or something. I don't know. Oh, do you want that? <laughs> I don't think you want that. I'll be like, Angela, sending you a million things all the time. No, block, 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 block. <sighs> 
Well, so big question. When you die, do you think you'll feel fulfilled when you're on your deathbed? I haven't really thought about that, but I have thought about like, what if I just randomly passed now? You know, like, would I feel complete? Would I feel like I've accomplished all of the things that I've wanted to do? I think the answer to that is like, no, I don't feel mm-hmm. complete right now. But I feel like if I did pass, I wouldn't be like mad about it. You know, like I've found love with people. I've met really great friends. I've done a pretty good job with my job. I feel like I think when I get to the age that I'm going to pass, I will feel fulfilled in the sense that I probably will feel like I have seen everything and done everything. Is that like the fulfillment that people are thinking of when they think of like, am I fulfilled at the end of life? Like you're talking about like, most people are thinking about like, oh, you know, I felt like I have left like this legacy. I think I'll just be fulfilled in the sense that I've experienced many, many things that I found enjoyable and fun and pleasurable. And that's enough for me. Fulfillment is subjective. You don't need to go by what other people think fulfillment is. Those things like legacy and leaving behind an empire or whatever, like those are vanity things things that that's mm-hmm. just like someone's idea of fulfillment is that it feeds their prideful image of like you know leaving behind that kind of legacy but at the end of the day it is like the love that you have and the experiences that you've had that make up what a life was so i don't think you should feel anything about like not being obsessed with leaving behind a legacy or any other dumb thing that other people talk about I just mentioned it because I feel like if you had asked me in like my early 20s, I'm like, yes, I want to die like Bill Gates in my fortune, Hugh Hefner in my surroundings, like that kind of situation. But now I'm kind of like, you know, I just want to like enjoy what I can enjoy. And I feel like if I can maximize that by the time that I'm like super old, I'll probably be like, I'm okay with moving on. Like I've done everything that I plan on doing. What about you? I agree. I think I'm also focused on just making sure that my life was full of the experiences that I wanted to have. And I think I've done a good job thus far of like saying yes to the things that would have given me those kinds of experiences thus far that I've been presented with. I think I'm actively figuring out how to like free up more of my life for personal fulfillment like sooner. So we talked about personal finance last week, right? Through investing and like I'm continuing to learn more about that so that I can hopefully retire earlier so that I have more of my good years to like do the shit I want and to not feel like I have regrets later on. This week's fortune cookie is also going to be related to death, but kind of funny. So we wanted to talk about the best and worst ways that we would want to die. So I will go first. I think the worst way to die is to actually not be dead (laughs) and be aware that you're not dead and perhaps someone pulled the plug. I don't want that. (laughs) That's bad. Like a good way to die... I'm going to say I'm pretty colored, but I would probably drop some kind of substance and just like peace out. Nice. That seems like a pretty decent way to die, right? Like, I mean, you're choosing it. Yeah. Yeah. You're choosing it. You're having like, hopefully a really great adventure and then you just pass. I see. Okay. 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 My worst way to die. I have always been torn between two I'm torn between drowning and burning alive in a fire. The thing in common is that they're very slow deaths. In the drowning one, maybe theoretically, like time-wise, it's fast. But 
it will feel like forever. And then burning is like fucking awful because people have like full body burns and shit that like still live, right? So like it takes a lot to die. Best way to die? I don't know why you didn't just say this. Dying in your sleep. That's my ideal way to die. I don't even know what happened. Like just I'm sleeping and I'm old and I just die. Like, great. So this was a very different kind of episode. Let us know what you think. Uh, Let us know if you hated it. Let us know if you loved it. Let us know how you think you would want to die or to be sent off or any of the stuff that we covered today. So write us in at tellusswhereyou'refrom at gmail.com. That is Y-O-U-R-E. And as always, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts if you have not already. And until the next episode... Die, Die Jen. Jen. Bitches. Bitches.